everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Maniac. Today we'll be covering the ninth and 10th episodes from Maniac titled Utangata and Option C. <laughs> I just, I want to say Utangata all the time. Utangata. <laughs> Utangata. <laughs> just, I don't know that I fully understand the meaning of the word. I keep seeing different meanings popping up and what it truly means translated but i just i want to say it all the time it's a fun word <laughs> and i want to thank you rima for coming to the insane asylum the other day um we were yeah. supposed to podcast last week and i got locked up because you know i started talking to you know mm-hmm. we, we talked about this before like mm-hmm. you know actually you're on vacation weren't you that's what it was because we mentioned yeah. a couple weeks ago that this is a whole like uh in my head, you know, I'm actually in the insane asylum mm-hmm. and you had to take a vacation. So I'm like, oh my gosh. And then you came back and rescued me. So yes. I'm very happy to be out and about and podcast. So had to had to come in and do the caper and rescue you. <laughs> Don't worry, and- I've seen this in a movie. <laughs> I got it covered. I know just what to do. I brought you clothes and everything that we were good to go for that escape. Yeah, that's cool. That's okay. Cause it happens, and and we'll, we get to this podcast. That's okay. We save this best for last. Yeah, it was two good episodes. I really liked it. Um, I like how it came in and ended. Um, so I'm really excited to jump in and see see what your thoughts are on it. I know. I'm so excited. I just want to get started on it. I, I'm ready to just go ahead and get started because I loved, loved, loved these two episodes. So why don't we just go ahead into our top five and to kick it off. I'll start this week. My number five, just a quick reference, just overall with the whole series, with the layers that we got with with this show. Did you notice how so many things, and I know that you did, but I'm just going to, I'm sending it out as a question anyway, and also for our listeners as well, um, is how everything kind of kept coming back around into the show. Like mm-hmm. things kind of circled back around, like popcorn problems. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And like the Gimlet, we kept seeing the Gimlet, you know, kind of referenced and keep kind of coming back around in different episodes. When we had um, uh, Owen was being told that the female agent was going to activate him in episode one. And then it kind of came back around uh, in the last episode there, you know, where she's like, you know, hey, I'm here to, to rescue you. And he's here to save the world. His his you know, imaginary brother that he has with him there is telling him, Hey, you got to save the world. You have to mm-hmm. do this. This is on you now. So I love how that come back. Um, there at the end, we also got the dog, the, the lost dog that yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. she had been looking for was there in the last episode as as well as the Hawk, um, that Owen, when he was the Hawk and then the Rubik's cube, um, came back around to Owen constantly. If you notice, like started in the first episode when she, uh, when, um, she was digging through, uh, it wasn't really garbage, but it was stuff set out on the sidewalk. Like people were cleaning out an office or something and it was just kind of just discarded and she was, you know, rummaging through it and she tosses the Rubik's cube back behind her and Owen gets it. And he's, you see him fumbling through with the Rubik's cube off and on throughout different episodes. Mm. So we saw that again, kind of come into play. 
um, there at the at the end um, in episode nine. So I just I loved all of that. I love those little pieces that they kept you know kind of throwing out there, and I just love how it kind of came back around. What are your? I'm sure there's probably more I'm missing too, but those are just some I made note of. What did you think? Yeah, I feel like this is a show that you could see all those little things. Like you, if you pay attention to the background, like in a second viewing, you probably catch so much of the stuff. Like the one thing I caught was like the uh, five, six, seven, eight. That was the code to get into the room that the uh, maintenance guy was <gasps> trying to break into. Yeah. Um, you know, so I guarantee you can find a bunch of cool things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the tie back to it. The, the, so like you mentioned the popcorn and, you know, like the hawk and everything kind of coming back in. It made me wonder if, if they were actually out of the simulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, like when – and we look at the very, very first episode – uh, Owen's brother's there, the the good brother, the one that tells him to go on this mission, and he sees the popcorn. And so your question, like, you see all that stuff happening, but that was bef- before he went into the the trials. But was yeah. it before he went into the trials? So, like, the whole time, like, I'm trying to inspect, like, is this just all in his head still? You know, because the ending was very, you know, uh, la- or, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which, you know, that mm-hmm. one I think actually happened Uh but it's just, uh, again, it, it, I, f- I feel like this is what you could watch and you could write a thesis on it to be like, well, no, this is actually this, this is actually that. And yes. get a lot of cool deep dives on it. I think so. I think there's a couple of different ways you can probably interpret a lot of the different episodes and what happens and, you know, what's real, what's not, and, you know, the different psychology aspects. But, yeah, this – I would love to go. I mean, I've, I've watched them all twice just so we could, you know, podcast on it so I can kind of feel like I get a good grip on the on the episodes. But I would love to just go back and watch it again and just, you know, kind of binge it um, and, and see if I get anything else out of it or feel any differently or, you know, maybe catch pick up on the things that I might have missed first time around. This is certainly, a, I think a great, great show. I don't know. I've never looked at ratings um, or anything like that, but I, I, and I honestly don't know how much buzz. I feel like it was getting some buzz, but I think people are really missing out not watching this oh, show. Yeah, There's so much to it. So much to it. I don't think there was a ton of buzz around it. Um, I haven't heard too many people talk about it, but it's definitely, it, it kind of sucks because I think the reason I kind of, you know, n- flew to this one like a hawk was because, you know, you had Emma Stone and you had, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jonah Hill. Jonah yep. Hill, thank you. And when you see those two, like instantly, I'm like, oh, well, they're doing a Netflix show. Well, what's this about? And really intrigued. But mm-hmm. this could be one of those that would be, you know, with unknown actors could be buried deep in the Netflix library that you wouldn't even go to check out. I know. So I'm really glad that they got the right act. It seemed like both those were fitting. I feel like Emma Stone knocked this out of the ballpark. Like she <sighs> covered every character. Amazing. She did every single episode when she's, you know, playing all these different characters, uh, even the one where she had to be in the the fiction with um, like in the el- when she was oh, an yeah, elf, her and her yeah. sister, <laughs> as much as what we learned that she absolutely uh. hated being an elf. And that was totally not her thing. It was awesome how they kind of played that into the episode itself, you know, mm-hmm. where she's kind of like rolling her eyes the entire time. Like, oh, of course it's, it's, it's a fantasy and, th- and so on and so forth. You know, she, she really like took a deep dive into each, each character that she played in every episode. And Jonah Hill was fantastic too, but I think we saw a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a broader range, I think from Emma Stone, oh, yeah, but I Jonah agree. Hill was fantastic as well, especially in um, these last two episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I hope that people come back around to it or catch on to it if they haven't already. I saw I was poking around on Reddit and there were people, 
you know, talking about how this was like, they were putting this up there with like some of the greatest shows ever. Like there was even some like people who love Breaking Bad, who's which Ooh, I wow. love and I think is like considering one of the best shows on TV ever. And people were like, I put that up there with like Breaking Bad. And I thought, wow, that's pretty high mm. praise because that's a pretty amazing show. And so I was I was glad for that. I was like, that's great. I gl- I'm glad people are really digging this show. Well, I like that it's really one self-contained story too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like all these things tied together, like they could do a season two, I guess, but it would be, you know, you'd have to do a different story. Yeah. But like, you know, this whole thing is like, it's one big movie. It's just one thing. Mm-hmm. There's beginning, middle, end, and that's it. It's not like, there's no cliffhanger. Yeah. There's no like, we're going to, you know, make 30 of these seasons. You know, it's it's one self-contained thing that I thought like they did really, really well on. And again, you watch this, like each episode is its own little thing too. Mm-hmm. So you could watch any episode. Like I'm gonna probably go back and watch those Elf episodes multiple times. Yeah, those were fun. Now that I learned that Emma Stone probably won't have her own fantasy genre Netflix <laughs> TV series, I gotta watch that. Yeah, you'll just have to watch that one on repeat every now and again to get your fix because I don't think we'll see Emma Stone in any type of uh, Lord of the Rings type show anytime soon. So, yeah, I agree. That's a really great. I like what you said there as far as this being uh, like um, one long movie, you know, because there was a really great beginning. There was a great middle. I thought it ended really well. And um, I like that. But it all and then also, yeah, if they were to do if they were to do a season two, I've not seen any kind of news or anything on that yet. Um, and, And we know that this was kind of like a limited series where they don't normally, you know, go out to have multiple seasons. It's kind of like just a standalone one-time thing, Let's do something for fun, but it would have to be like an anthology. It would probably yeah. have to be an entirely different story. It'd have to be entirely different actors. I don't see Emma Stone and Jonah Hill coming back for something like this, no. you know, with their, their, you know, caliber of where they are. Um, you know, it's just, I think a, a super fun thing project for them to do to kind of whip out and, you know, do something a little bit different. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting. We'll have to keep an eye out and, um, See if they do anything else with this series. Super like cool. What's your number five? So my number five is simply just one new character that we didn't even get to see, and that is Snorri. Oh, uh, so Snorri. I love this this little bit they did here. Like I, I love Jonah Hill as like a Austrian. Um, <laughs> you know, his accent was good. I think I don't. It seemed more like he was going more of a German route. It was it was terrible. His <laughs> accent was terrible, but they totally explained it away with his Finnish and Austrian or whatever, all these agent. different yeah. things. No, yeah, I think yeah. it was Finnish. He talks about, you know, snoring. He says, he's an urgent folk. It's a little person. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I love, so the correlation here is like, you know, he's telling the story of how he found Snorri and he, you know, he teach fed him and, you know, brought him <laughs> back to health. And it's very much the same story as the hawk. You know, and it's, you know, he raised it and, you know, lived. And I think mm-hmm. he probably feels responsible for killing uh, the hawk. And to an extent, I think in this story, he kind of felt somewhat responsible for killing Snorri, which, again, like, I love that you get, like, an end to an episode and then you jump into, like, this whole other storyline. And, like, you're trying to get, like, okay, so this is what he's doing. Okay, it takes you a bit to get going, but it's just, all right, so he's kind of a weird guy. Okay, there's an alien. All right, what's going on here? Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, like you said, the gimlet plays a part. And he's talking about, you know, the death of Snorri. And it's like, well, I don't know if it's the faulty microphone or my gimlet. No one would ever know. <laughs> uh, You've got that accent down. <laughs> and by the way, I have to just correct you really quickly. Snorri was um, Jonah Hill's character. Ernie was the little alien. Oh, why did I? Oh, shit. I thought it was the other your, way around. Your notes are probably backwards. Yeah. 
Sw- swap those out. You're you're good. But yes, yeah, so it was Ernie, hard to say with his accent. He was saying Ernie, and when he'd say Ernie, it almost sounded like he was saying Snorri. And Snorri sounds more like a an alien name, anyway. It but does. No, you're right because he kept he kept calling himself Snorri. Yeah. Um, but I love either way. I love Snorri. Ernie yes. was the character we didn't see, but I did love Snorri. Um, you know, they're talking about you know they. I guess they were getting like word that these aliens are coming. And again, like you get like this whole deadpan of other characters throughout this little like uh, UN council type thing, and uh, you know they find that they're coming. It's like, well, we can't stop. And it's like, well, guess the Earth is fucked. They just move right along. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> and so Snorri, being a Snorri type guy, he starts apologizing to everybody. He's like, sorry, U.S. of A. Sorry, you know this one. He's like, which one are you? Uh, I'm so sorry to you too. I know. Just. Gold. This, I mean, if we could have a whole series with just Snorri, I, I would watch that. I would be in for that. Like, and, I'm all in on that one. And if you did it like he was like a secret agent, like a sleeper cell, but they couldn't wake him up. So he's fighting all these things <laughs> as Snorri would be amazing. I know. I I love it so much. I'm so glad that you brought that up. We're definitely on sync. Snorri's actually my number five, so I'll just jump in with what I have um, as far as notes go. Um, Again, a spinoff. I love how they explained his shitty accent. Again, I I think it was supposed to be Icelandic, and not that I'm any type of expert. I have been heckled a little bit on other podcasts I've guessed it on if I've ever tried to attempt any type of accent. <laughs> I am terrible at accents, so I always apologize in advance for uh, shredding an accent. I mean no disrespect, but I love how they, you know, I, I, I can't say I know what an Icelandic accent is, but I love how they... We're like, yes, we know this is a shitty accent, and here's how we're going to explain it away because he has this, you know, strange type of heritage with his with his family. I love when he's in the chair in front of everyone, and he's kind of giving this confession, and he has those tiny little inaudible whispers, and then all of a sudden he starts wailing that he killed Ernie. He's in the chair. Ah! I mean, if you didn't lose your shit, yeah. You know, every time he was on the screen um, doing his playing this character Snorri, I mean, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, I like his his one of his funny lines was, "You are very good at gun." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and Emma Stone playing a Texan was just awesome. Like, you know, I thought I was attracted to Elv. You know, Emma Stone definitely Mm -hmm. attracted to Long Island Emma Stone. Give me Texas Emma Stone. I mean, you just put her in all 50 states, and she's she's gold to me. She was a badass. How'd yeah, you like that hallway scene, huh? Oh, I know, right? Just shooting Wasn't it. Wasn't like, that amazing? Like, like, put these two in the Mr. and Mrs. Black reboot mm-hmm. instead of the – who was in it? It was Brad Pitt and Angelina Julie. Jolie. Yeah. Take yeah. those two out, throw these two in there, be perfect. I know. this. His, his whole um, – interpretation of this character and him on the screen from the from the very beginning till the end was so unexpectedly awesome yeah. like i you know i've praised jonah hill and emma stone throughout the whole series for their you know um their characters and how they've played them and their performances have been fantastic but we got to this episode nine and it just i'm laughing my ass off um and it was just unexpectedly awesome. It's, I knew it would be good, but this was very unexpected, and I loved Snorri. And if if I can get – tell you what makes me happy is I found a GIF 
I call it a gif, people, not jif, a gif <laughs> of um, Jonah Hill as Snorri doing his little dancing when they're having that little <laughs> yeah. party before he uh, electrocutes Ernie and he's doing that little dance. I tell you what, if you need a smile, if you're having a shitty day, just go go grab that and take a look at it and watch it for, for <laughs> a minute or something and you're going to be set, I, I promise. So. So the only other thing I wanted to touch on that was it's uh, it's another line that got me like rolling was you know the CIA Texas Emma Stone when she was talking about Ernie because mm-hmm. you know Snorri was upset about killing Ernie and you know she's like little fucker is gonna carve us up and sell us as exotic meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved it. It was so good. Yeah, those those two were just absolutely priceless. I can't imagine how much fun they were having filming oh, uh, yeah. that whole episode. I mean, I'm sure the entire thing was super fun for them because they, they've they worked together before. I know that they're, you know, friends and stuff um, and have done multiple projects, but this just seemed to be, you know, something kind of unique. And of course this episode, I bet this one and the episode where they're in Long Island as the married couple, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Linda and Bruce, I bet was just so super fun uh, for them to do. I can't imagine uh, the yeah. laughter. Yeah, I don't know how long it took him to film all this, but it definitely would. Yeah. This would be the kind of like TV series you could jump on. You have your one main character that you have to play, but I'm sure they filmed a lot of that in one one kind of sitting. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the time, like you get to play almost like ten different characters over the th- length of this shooting, which would be a lot of fun. I think. It would be a lot of fun because normally when you're in a, a series, uh, you know, like this or some of the other Netflix shows, you're one character mm-hmm. and you get to know that character really well. And while they were kind of, they did have their central characters as Owen and Annie, they still got to play with that in these other uh, scenarios and these memories or while they're, you know, during the trial and stuff. That had to be just so much fun and probably a lot of fun for them as actors to kind of explore, you know, and, and, you know, their range, especially this episode, this, there's been a lot of emotional things, um, during the, the rest of the, the series as well. But this episode really, really, I loved it so much. And that's why I speak so highly of the series. And I wish other people, I'm going to talk to as many people as I can, if they're not watching it to, to keep watching or, or jump on it, because especially like in this episode, as I said, Snorri from the very beginning, when he comes on the screen, I'm laughing my ass off. And I mean, <laughs> out loud, I'm, I'm kind of tough. I don't laugh out loud to that many things when I'm watching a comedy. It usually takes really something special to to get me to laugh out loud at something. And he not only made me laugh out loud, but then you get like to the end of the episode and you have Emma Stone and I'm not going to go into it too deep because I'm sure we're going to dive into it more deeply. But to have an episode that I think can take you from emotions of laughing Mm. out loud and being so hilarious um, with Snorri and their interactions and the hallway scene with all the awesome action. And then at the end, have you bawling like a baby. um, It's brilliant. It's amazing. So I really, really, really love it. Good number five. Yep. So what do you have for your number four? Well, my number four was Snorri. Oh, nice. I mean, I think I could probably talk all day about him. He had just great lines. Um, I loved how he kind of woke up there at the end and he kind of came out of because one minute he's all his exuberant and, you know, because Snorri is very cheerful. He's very exuberant. He's very... You know, you are very good. You are very good. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he that little 
whatever that thing was inside of him, that little chip or whatever it was that she, oh, she pulled out, extracted yeah. from him and then it popped like a popcorn kernel. And then he, he all of a sudden kind of snaps out and he's like, well, popcorn problems. And, you know, it was just interesting, you know, to see that dynamic and him kind of shift out of that and go back into Owen mode um, to his true self. Um, I just, I love the whole thing. Like I said, I could just watch a whole series of Snorri and his adventures um, with Ernie. Maybe we can get like a prequel of his, because he would talk about Ernie. He was my friend. And, you know, he he talked to me about the stars and <laughs> all kinds of things. I could totally get a whole prequel uh, of of him and uh, his vin- adventures with, with Ernie. So that's about all I have to say about that. So that that was my number four. What's your number four? So my number four is just kind of Annie's confrontate or confronting, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So we see her physically confront her father. I guess not physically, but in the real world, talk to her father. Yeah, without think, through the little the little hideaway, the little yeah. tank thing. <laughs> I can't remember what that thing was called. I, but think, it was I think it was like a oh. Damn it, I don't remember what it was. It has, it has like a play on words. Yeah. Um, but we also see her confrontation with her sister. Um, you know, she's going through, she's talking about, um, this is kind of both probably her dad and her, but, you know, she talks about being sorry for being drunk at her funeral, um, mm-hmm. you know, being mean on the last day. And the the thing that really got me was, you know, the reason she didn't want to take the picture, because she's playing kind of like she's got a heart out outer shell. Mm-hmm. But she said like it broke her heart to know that she was never going to see her anymore. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of a tale of growing up and everything. And so, you know, she was a person that protected her sister growing up, try to kind of shield her from all the stuff that they had to deal with. And knowing that your sister is moving away, you know, a long ways away, that she's going to start a whole new life away from your family and that you're never going to see her again. Like, you know, taking that picture would just be that realization is like, this is the last picture we're probably ever going to get with each other. That's a very challenging thing is, you know, as you get older as an adult, you just kind of think of those things. Um, yeah. You know, it's not to the, it might be to the extent of, of a kid to, to somewhat, but, you know, I just read a, an article because Halloween just happened. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy talking about how his son is probably at the, the last year where he's going to think that Halloween's cool. Yeah. And he talks about how like Halloween is a way to really kind of show you like how much time goes by and how little time you have with your kids because, and it really kind of triggered me because it's like, well, each year they grow up and it's a whole year that goes by. And it's like, you know, you think from the ages of like two to eight, nine kids are into Halloween. They want trick or treat. They want to dress up. And at some point it changes. And they're like, oh, well, I'm an adult now. And so you think of all those pictures you take with your kids, like mm-hmm. well, that, that might be the last one I take with them where they're kind of into this thing. I um, know. Kind of a similar, uh, similar thing, but um, yeah. Uh, what else was there? And, and then kind of her confrontation with her her uh, dad, you know, he's he's in that little hideaway thing. She's talking to him, saying sorry, and he pokes his head out. So I, it seems like the conversation she had before she left helped pull him out of there, and they had a yeah. nice conversation over the table. Um, it was really cute to kind of see them back together, and, and it seems like they're, you know, taking off like, on the right feet. Yeah, like they're healing too. Yeah, exactly. Not, you know, it's not just her journey and her process. It was kind of like her dad sounded like. I mean, clearly, if he's what was it called, a void or I something think so, like yeah. that. That little thing that he, that pod thing that he was in in his backyard, it cracked me up because I mean, don't we all kind of want one of those in our backyard? We can just kind of oh, yeah. shut the world off, at least just for like a day. Just like you know what, 
just don't talk to me. Just let me sit in here in my little tank, uh, you know, my little pod and and have Wi-Fi and just, you know, shut the world out for like yeah. a day. Uh, I miss not- those. My wife and I every now and then get to take trips where like you don't get cell service. and I just shut my phone completely off, throw it away. Yeah. It's just me and her like, you know, somewhere away from everything. And Yes, just truly I, connect. Yeah. Human connection, not like the internet online connection. Yeah. <laughs> Do some like real one-on-one or with a group of friends or whatever, family, whatever the scenario might be. But um, yeah, dis- disconnecting is fun. I've done that before. I'm just like, I will just turn off my phone for a day or as much as I can. And I'd like tell my kid and be like, you know, I'm going to turn have my phone off. So don't freak out if you can't get a hold of me yeah. and, you know, try to have a plan if she needed me to get a hold of me or something, but just be like, I just need to like shut down for the day. I need to like not have, I need to just disconnect. But um, yeah, it was definitely, I think a little bit of a healing process for him as well. Cause it sounds like he was kind of struggling with, you know, their, cause their mom is gone. I think he probably, I almost feel like he kind of held Annie responsible just a little bit with it about um, her sister's death. Did you get that at all? That uh, maybe, know, maybe not struggling him, with that, but I think she did a lot. Cause she, she made the, the question or she said something to the effect of, you know, I guess I haven't written it like you. She's talking like, you can't speak to them that way. Wait, no, that's the wrong thing. Uh, I don't remember where I had the note. Basically, she was talking about how, like, the wrong daughter died. Yeah. You know, she's not the outgoing daughter. She's, you know, she's kind of the the unsuccessful daughter. And it would have been a lot easier if she was the one that died. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I mean, to have that on your shoulders as a kid is, I don't even know what you could do with that weight. You know, it just seems like a yeah. ton. And I don't, I think it's a lot of times, like, we project thoughts on people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she was projecting that on her dad's like, well, that's what he thought. And I don't think that was the case. It, you know, it, it seems like maybe he struggled with it. And, you know, maybe the blame was like, well, you were driving. So why didn't, or was she, she was, no, she wasn't driving, right? Uh, Annie now. was driving. Her sister was in the passenger. Yeah. Like, so yeah. there, there might be some, like you were driving, you're the older daughter or the older sibling. You should, you know, try to protect your sister more. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there might've been like some like initial blame. You know, why didn't you do something better? But even then, it wasn't their fault. It was the guy who drove into their lane. Yeah. Um, But it's, again, it just kind of goes back to, like, you know, communication or something like that. If she would have just sat down with her dad after the emotions had kind of had a chance to settle, maybe a lot of this stuff wouldn't happen. But, again, like, you've got the drug to see your sister. She falls into that, and it all just kind of trickles back into to the story we saw. Yeah. Well, it seems like he wasn't quite dealing with it either. I mean, it sounds like he was quite contained in there for a while it didn't you know emma stone or annie didn't seem quite surprised to see him in his little pod back there like he's either he's in there all the time or that's kind of like his permanent place or something like that it doesn't seem very healthy i mean like i said it'd be cool to do for like maybe a day if you if you're stressed out and you just need to kind of disconnect i can totally get disconnecting for like a day or something but if that's like where you are permanently and that's your permanent hangout every day or you just live in there that's not very healthy so it seems like he wasn't maybe in such a healthy place. And also if he if his daughter, I mean, you'd have to kind of be blind in my opinion to see you know the struggles that Annie goes through in her life, you know, and and how she's not coping with what happened to her sister and how she blames herself and the things that she's going through. You may not know all the details, you know, I I'm not saying that you, you know, people you know should always just 
pick up on those things. But I feel like if you're in your kid's life at all, you should see those t- types of things. And it seemed like he wasn't quite tuned in to his daughter because why wouldn't he try to help her, yeah. you know, and, and help her work through that and try to talk to her or get her some help or do something to try and keep her, you know, from this downward spiral that she was um, on, you know, taking that drug and, you know, constant reliving, you know, that um, trauma that she went through losing her sister and feeling like she was responsible and stuff. So clearly I think he was kind of, whether he blamed her or not, he was kind of still, you know, complicit in, in Annie, you know, not kind of getting the help that she needed. And I, I do like that moment that they had together and it was, how cool was it that it was Hank Azaria that was her dad. I love him so much. I've been a huge fan um, of his for so long. So it was super cool when you see his head pop out the window and I was like, ah, I couldn't even like focus. It kind of took me out just a little bit because I was like, ah, Hank Azaria. I didn't know yeah, he was, I was in it. The same so boat, yeah. Kind of took me out for a second. I had to kind of jump back up a, a few seconds. Netflix has that nice little jump back 10 second <laughs> button <laughs> that you can kind of go back real quick. And um, I kind of put me back in the scene, but it took me out for just a moment. But it was really nice to see him pop his head out the window and how they had that moment to connect. And I thought that was a real beautiful uh, moment between a parent and a child. And I, I love all of that. Do you think he kind of avoided her a little bit, um, kind of the same way she was avoiding her sister? Maybe. I mean, because you know, he lost his wife, she left him. Yeah, daughter passed away, so it's like you're the last person I have in my life. So if 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 you if I just keep my distance, you're at least always there to an extent. Like I don't know yeah. if you've ever had. Um, it's weird. Like uh, you know, I've had you know um, relate or not relationships, like family members who have passed away that. You know, mm-hmm. I ha- hadn't seen for the last couple of years, but they're really influential in my life. Like when I was younger, yeah, it's almost like it. It it kind of doesn't seem like it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, you almost can block it out and be like, you know, I, I had an aunt that passed away about a year ago now, or six months ago, maybe. It's I don't know how long it's been, but there's been a couple times, and I don't know if this maybe triggered it, but it's like, you know, you almost think like, well, I wonder how she's doing, and then you forget. It's like, oh yeah, she's she's gone. But mm-hmm. it, we weren't in communication as much as we were when, when I was younger. And I always try to figure out, like, is that better or worse? Because, you know, I've been there when, you know, relatives, like, have passed away, like, in that moment. And I've never really, and I think it probably varies for people, but is it better to be there when that happens or to, you know, for personally, it's probably better to be, like, or more selfish to to not even worry about those things and kind of, you know, keep yourself protected and hidden and, you know, shy away from it. So then... You just don't have that realization like, oh, yeah, they're actually gone. Right. So I'm wondering if that's kind of what he was doing here to an extent is, you know, I know you're alive. I know you're here. If I don't have any other interactions with you, I don't really know if you're gone or not. Right. Like trying to put up distance so you don't maybe feel as deeply. Like if he happened Mm. to maybe lose her, he wouldn't feel it as deeply as he felt losing his daughter and his wife maybe. I know that's something that we put up these walls. I'm certainly guilty of that in my life in in different relationships where if I don't – if I put up that wall or put or put that distance, whether it's physical distance or emotional distance between myself and someone, it – will keep me from being hurt too much if I lose that person. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that there's maybe a little bit of that to it, you know, as well. That he's like he he can't feel the loss. He's kind of coping with it in his own way. Where Annie was kind of, you know, not really coping but uncoping, not coping, you know, with it in her way. So yeah, I get that. 
But yeah, it's my number four is just kind of Annie's confrontations. I like it. That's so good. Um, I'm sure I'm going to have more to say about that as I go through my notes. So where does that put us? Number three? Yep. Uh, you're number three. Number three. I'm just going to jump into just the ending, the the ending itself. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, because I have more. Um, this is my you know, number one is, yeah. my, is the ending. I know. I was kind of like... I feel like because it's the end, I should leave it, but I'm kind of doing a little bit something not different, but I kind of went a different way with my number one. Um, so uh, this is just kind of where I, this one does mean, I always talk about how my numbers aren't really numbers. I just have my points that I want to uh-huh. talk about, but these are actually numbered for a purpose <laughs> that I actually have order to my numbers uh, this week. So woohoo, I'm getting my shit together, people. Um so I, I just want to talk about the ending uh, uh, here. And for one, I'd like to say that I love one, how it didn't end in a tragedy. Yeah. So I like that it was positive. I like that it was uplifting and I loved the whole, it kind of gave that little bit of a caper feeling where we had that in uh, the first uh, by Sebastian episode where they were on their little caper to, Mm -hmm. you know, save the lemur and they had the whole shootout. It was just this whole fun little, you know, you're kind of like, what the fuck's going on? I don't know what's (laughs) happening, but I'm kind of digging it and it's really great and it's amazing. Um, So that's kind of what we got a little bit, at least towards the end, when when she's talking to him and telling him, you know, I'm going to get you out of here. You don't belong here. Let's get out. And and he's, you know, he's telling her why he should be there, but she's just kind of like, you know, no, 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 no. It was so sad to watch him in that moment, too, because, you know, in his mind, she's not there. Like, he's thinking, like, you're you're fake. You're part of my imagination. I'm a schizophrenic. Like, you're not here. God, it was so freaking sad. His whole... It's just easier if you're not here. It's just easier yeah. for you to to be made up. It's easier for you to not be in my head um, or to be in my head and not a real. It was, Jesus, this freaking series was so good. Yeah, you're right. That was so beautiful. But I love how it kind of circled back around um, to the end when Emma, I keep calling her Emma Stone, like her her real person. I'm going to try to refer to her as Amy if I can. It's, sorry margaritas um <laughs> where they are they they escape out and then they hop in her truck there's the dog we've got got the hawk and they're getting the hell out of dodge and they're kind of the the folks there at the um hospital have kind of caught on a little bit and they're like wait she was by herself and who's who's that and they're kind of on to what's happening and they start to chase them and they're being chased around the parking lot and stuff so it kind of comes back around i'm going to read a quote it's a little bit long so bear with me this was in one of the earlier episodes when they were it was after one of their um little memories that they had shared and and uh, annie kind of comes around to what uh, Owen was talking about uh, connections and patterns and things like that. And he was kind of really down about it and stuff. So she was kind of bringing him around like, I, I get it. I see what you're saying. We're friends now and this is all good. So what he tells her, this is what he says. He says, I like order. I like to know what my day is going to be. I like my apartment, my job, just a normal life. That's all I want. Um, 
And they say, but isn't that sort of what therapy is about, dredging up old stuff? He says, I like when it's calm, in a quiet room, not with fur lords, shooting Uzis, or magical chapters <laughs> of books. Sorry, that down coyote part was me. Um, she says, my sister read that when she was 12. My dad used to go on and on about it like it was proof of how gifted and smart she was. Um, he says, I guess that's why you felt the need to shoot my driver over it. Uh, she says, what did you want? I mean, if we were still in there, what would you have used it for? What fantasy would have uh, you gone into? It's stupid. She says, you can tell me. I'm your pharma trial friend. And here's where it comes in. He says, I had a plan. We were going to go somewhere together. We were in a car. We were driving really fast. Someone was chasing us. I don't know who. It was like an escape. I was just laughing, and I had this huge smile on my face. It hurt. It was so big. We were just two people looking out for each other. It's stupid. And she says, that doesn't sound stupid to me. And it was such a beautiful moment. I remember in that scene between the two of them, how they finally kind of connected as friends and as people and as humans. And that's what made this ending so beautiful was that she's like, I'm your friend. Yeah. I'm I'm here for you. I'm here for you. This is, you know, we're looking out for each other. I'm looking out for you. This is not for you. We're going to be okay. And And then you get Owen laughing and this was Owen not one of his characters that he's playing in one of his memories or these scenarios that they were going through in the trial because he did laugh and and things in in his other characters but this was really Owen for the first time laughing freely and had this huge grin on his face and it to me it was just beautiful and outstanding how they come together at the end and I thought it was a beautiful thing I love how it wasn't to me anyway like a romantic thing um, it was just these two friends going off on this adventure. They didn't really have a plan, didn't know what they were doing, except maybe go to Salt Lake um, and just go with it. I loved it. That's I had the same thought that, I mean, you could have easily made this like a, you know, love story that they fall in love. But I like that they just mm-hmm. kind of made it that they were friends. You know, yeah. it was just two friends that, you know, f- you know, kind of fell into this weird situation together and from it, you know, the, created this great friendship that, you know, I mean – yeah, I think easy you could have made a love story because you could have said, you know, love finds a way. But, yeah. you know, I think friendships have that too. Like, you know, friends find themselves and there's no, like, there, there's still love, but it's a different kind of love. Right. It's not like it, a physical it's type thing. that deep friendship love that you have yeah, for like yeah. a best friend or someone. That, because they've been through something together. Oh, yeah. You know, they both had different situations. Annie was struggling with the trauma of losing her sister and the guilt from that and not being able to let her go. Owen was dealing with his – and I think she had mental health. We didn't talk about it too much. And they didn't talk about it so much in the show. But remember when they got diagnosed, when, when Gerda oh, yeah, yeah. kind of gave him that diagnosis and she had like this – personality disorder and Owen had his schizophrenia and stuff, which we already knew about, but they, um, you know, we didn't talk too much about that, but Owen had his mental illness and was also dealing with a super shitty family mm-hmm. who was just absolutely cruel and horrible to him. And so they both kind of came out of this through the other side and were able to kind of overcome those situations and they did it together and it brought them together in this beautiful, lovely friendship in my eyes. So I totally just interrupted you. You got to shut me down when I do no, that. No, you're good. You're, you're hitting all the great <laughs> notes. But I don't want to take away from yours. So please continue. No, but that was just kind of my my idea too. Is like again, it's just this you know this friendship that through you know dreams through anything like you can find it, find each other and like help each other and you know mm-hmm. even at the end like as they're leaving it's like you know they're laughing they're giggling and they're they're on the road and they kind of drive for you know a couple minutes and it's just kind of like that sigh of relief like okay well what's next and I thought that was kind of a nice little touch like 
you know, they're they're out of the woods right now from being captured, but you know, mm-hmm. they're just kind of on the road and going. I love it. So then we're just kind of left. I feel like it you know, you don't quite know what's gonna happen next as they, you know, drive away uh onto their you know, I guess we can assume they're probably going to Salt Lake, but it was just nice to to kind of you know, we're kind of left wondering, well, I wonder what happens next for them. But mm-hmm. it's not like a big cliffhanger where you're like unsatisfied or anything like that. Like, oh, man, are you kidding me? Yeah, you know, exactly. it's not it's not a disappointing thing. It's like a satisfying ending to me, um, even though I don't really know, you know, what happens or what happens after they 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 leave there. So beautiful. So I, I just I just jumped right into it, right into the <laughs> right into the ending. <laughs> Like it. yeah, that was my number one. Just I, I kind of called it option C because he kind of mentioned like his his two, three different options. Like option A's, you know, she doesn't exist. You know, basically she's not even real. Uh, B he said was even worse, which I think is kind of like his idea of like she just basically is ignoring him and wants to leave him. And then yeah. the option C was what she came up with, which was them leaving together, which God. was the best option of them all. I mean, he's I, a broken guy, and you feel for him and. And you hope in finding her, this friendship can grow and they can actually, you know, make a life out of this weird universe they live in. I know that it, God, it was so damn sad, so damn sad. His his reaction to that and and you know just kind of giving in. I hated to see how he was giving in to, you know, being you know his family treating him like shit and. Mm-hmm putting him in this, well, I think he kind of felt felt like he needed to be there, but how they had just kind of really, he was, he was already broken, but I think that final, you know, that finality there in the courtroom really broke him and getting put away and feeling like, you know, it was all just in my head. This didn't really happen. And it just was so heartbreaking to see him in that, you know, kind of, kind of state in him. Yeah. He was just kind of, you know, convinced that he was crazy um, was just so sad. He did such a good job. I like it. That was good. Right. That was your number three, right? That was your number three. All right. Uh, so for my number three, uh, so I talked about uh, Annie's confrontation. And so now I want to talk about the doctor's confrontation with his <laughs> mother. <laughs> that was so, so good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like this was, you know, y- you learn a lot of awkwardness from from these guys. <laughs> Very quickly, um, yes. you know, she talks about, so she shows up, you know, she yells at James. She's like, throw her out. No, that was his girlfriend. She says, throw her out, James. And she storms yep. off. And so you get, I never had this with, with my mother. Uh, I'm waiting for the day <laughs> that my son's. I'm glad you have it. <laughs> well, I'm talking about like the, the, you know, sometimes I think some moms can be like, you know, no, that's my baby boy. Like no girl's going to be good enough for him. Mm-hmm. And then you have that confrontation of like mom versus girlfriend or mom versus wife. Yes. I've never had that. Hopefully I'll never have that. Nah. Uh, but James blows up, you know, on his mom and says, you know, you're an awful mom. You slept in my bed way too long and told me <laughs> things, drove my father away. And as he's saying this, he freaks out and starts going blind. <laughs> It's like, I can't see. I can't see. I can't see. I can't see. James, James, <laughs> you're having an episode. <laughs> oh, my God. But we kind of mentioned that um, a couple episodes back where, you know, she told him about, like, laying in his bed and all the bad stuff that that happened to her. Mm-hmm. Or, like, just the thought she had that, like, you shouldn't tell, you know, a kid. Like, you, you can't use your kid as your therapist. Yeah. And that seems like what she did. 
you know, especially like the sleeping in the bed way too long, like that stuck out to me. You know, we talked about the uh, um, Oedipus complex that was going on, uh-huh. and, but kind of in reverse, I guess. Well, uh, I still can't get over when she first comes into the lab or where they're having the trial and he puts on the chapstick and then she yeah, <laughs> she kisses him full on the lips. And then that whole thing is just so weird. It's like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, I know there's a lot of families that do that, and it's it's there's nothing to it. But I just I've never been. That's just too personal. That uh, I'm a I'm a kiss on the cheek forehead guy. That that's that's all I want. Yeah, if it's if it's not a person, I am. Uh, you know, if I'm not sleeping with that person, you ain't yep. getting a kiss on the lips from yep. me. It's gonna be we're 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 doing the that little European kiss thing, doing mm-hmm. a side kiss thing, a forehead, you know, a little peck on the forehead or something. But yeah, if we're not doing anything more than that, you ain't getting a kiss on the lips yep. from me. Does Unless it's one of those real awkward. Have you ever went in for like a side kiss and y'all don't know which side you're going to and you do that awkward? <laughs> <laughs> it's like oops. <laughs> Oopsie. Uh, so unless there's that type of thing going on, you ain't getting a kiss on the lips from me. <laughs> but but not only do we get like a confrontation with his real mother, he get we have a confrontation with his simulated mother. And the line that had me rolling is when he's talking about where he's got to shut down his uh, – shut down Gerda. Mm-hmm. He says like very like heroic, like I have to kill my simulated mother. <laughs> I know. It's so dramatic. <laughs> but he had trouble with it too because I mean like, you know, if you had to – kill something that you equated to your mother, like it'd be very difficult. Yeah. And it was a very, very challenging thing for him. It was. I think maybe it was a little bit because clearly his, like his mother's name was Gertie. Was it Gertie or Gert, something like that. But the, the machine was in GRTA and I call her Goethe just for, for fun. And I know that, um, Dr. Uh, Fujimoto, what the hell's her name? God, I got to stop drinking. Um, (laughs) That she's really created her, but I feel like it was also his work as well, Dr. Mandalay. I think Dr. Mandalay created it and got the base started. It was Dr. Fujita that gave her emotions and kind of like thinking that would help. Right. So, yeah, that's where I was kind of like trying to figure out exactly which piece was whose because I feel like, well, he, I feel like, put his mother into that machine. Maybe he was trying to make that the mother he wished he had because clearly, yeah, no, I can see that. you know, that was not like the mother that he, like she was not an ideal mother. It sounds like, yeah. you know, so maybe he was, you know, trying to, to make out who he wanted her to really be. So maybe that's why it probably seemed to hurt him more to put down the simulated version of his mother than like, you know, his real mom. You know, because he really was like, you know, it was hilarious whenever when he was going blind and he's kind of freaking out and she's like, it's OK, it's OK. And she comes <laughs> up behind like, let me hold you. He's like, no, 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 don't touch me. <laughs> oh, I love the the I don't remember what his name was, it was the guy that was basically like the, you know, kind of the the supervisor maintenance of the, the subjects. And he's seeing like him. You know, the doctor, like, <laughs> crawling across the wall through this glass window and his mom just holding him. <laughs> Trying to, like, hold on to him as he's struggling yeah. to get away and he can't see. He can't figure out how to get the hell out. And so good. Um, but, Jesus, Justin Thoreau and Sally Field. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was really good. So good. Uh, but, yeah, that was my number three is just him kind of confronting his mother. 
Mothers, I guess, plural. Yes, mothers. I think it's definitely plural in this case. So, oh my gosh, so good. And that scene, again, when uh, Dr. Fujimoto, you know, was kind of telling her off and then she... Uh, and she's like, and she's jealous because I have you and she doesn't. And then she <laughs> whops a big one on him and, uh, you know, he's all dramatic oh, yeah. in his chair and stuff. I mean, that just, that whole scene, that was just like so many good things um, in these two episodes. Um, well, I'm going to bring it down just a little bit, a little serene. I talked earlier about uh, the emotional range of episode nine, Ut- Utangata, um, how, I was laughing from the very beginning, and I mean laughing my ass off at at the performance, and, and Jonah Hill was just brilliant, and how it was a real fun, action-packed, you had Emma, uh, Emma Stone kicking some serious ass, um, you know, and some fun scenes, and then we get the scene with her sister, mm-hmm. where she finally... You know, she talks to that was a beautiful scene. Before I jump into that one, talking about beautiful scenes, just really quickly, I do want to mention in case we don't don't get to it because I thought it was so poignant. The scene that she had with Gerda, uh, the computer Gerda in the elevator, and you know that was a beautiful little moment. And Emma Stone just knocked that out of the park. I thought as well when she's you know she's like, how am I ever gonna get over feeling like this about Robert? And that's just paraphrasing there. And she's like, you know, you never will. Mm-hmm. And you know she's she's talking to her like, you know, you just have to get over this and and get through it. And she's like, well, I've analyzed eight hundred eighty two minds, whatever, and I you know I don't know how. And she's like, no one does. Yeah. You know, she it's like, like puts her in her place. Yeah, it was just a beautiful moment because it's like you're right. None of us, we all have loss. We've all lost someone in our lives, and you know whatever that relationship was to you that meant that much to you and impacted you so much. You know, we all have have went through that, and we've all had to you know struggle and figure out how to deal with it. And and so I really love that moment as as well. When because I think it probably hit home for her as well because clearly clearly she wasn't really dealing very well with losing yeah. her sister. Was so that, she was talking to Gerda when she said something along the lines of like, sometimes people leave and we don't know why. Uh, I think s- that was with her sister. With her sister. Okay. Yeah. So, and then getting to the scene with her sister, you know, that's this beautiful moment. It looks like, you know, there's that little sign, uh, like it looks like that's where they were when, um, uh, they had the accident and she lost her sister, but it's this beautiful, looks like a park open. I mean, it's all simulated clearly, but it looks like that's what it's trying to be. It was this simulation of this park and she confronts her sister and they have this moment. And I mean, if, if this scene, I was bawling like a baby when she's talking to her sister and they're having this exchange. And I know that that was just this made-up simulation of her sister, but it seemed as real of her sister that we had seen besides the flashback moments that we got when we we experienced that uh, trauma with her. And, I mean, if you weren't watching that scene and, and crying or tearing up, then I think you should probably check your pulse because, I mean, I'm I'm not one of those drop or, or your cry at a, uh, just you know at the drop of a hat. It, usually something has to really stir me and touch me emotionally to get me there, and this really did because I think for a lot of people we've all had someone in our life that we've struggled with losing and struggle to let go and and 
for her, that was her sister. And I think that we all can probably put ourselves in Annie's place and that other person in her sister um, Ellie's place and and have that same conversation. And if I'm, I just, like I said, I just cry. I watched the episode four damn times. Mm. And every time that scene had me just going. And I think that you, we all have those real deep feelings that Annie had. And it just made it so sad when she finally told her sister. She's like, you know, one of the big reasons why she couldn't tell her goodbye was because she's like, you're the one that really knows me and gets mm. me. And I think that's what's really hard. Anytime you have to say goodbye to someone, whether it's a significant other, a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, um, a, a, a brother, sister, parent, whatever that relationship is, that person that really gets you in your life and you have to let that person go um, is heart-wrenching and it's difficult. And I think that made that just, it really hit me hard uh, with Annie when she said that. And, but then, you know, it's like, I think for the whole point of this was for Annie saying goodbye and having the real memories were better than the fake ones. Cause she kept reliving that trauma over and over again. And she was having all these fake memories and things with her sister and these scenarios on this drug trial. And I think that she realized that letting her go and having those real memories that she had of her sister and honor her sister in that way, instead of recreating all of these scenarios in her head or reliving that trauma over and over again was better. And that's how she was able to finally move on. What did you th- get out of all of that scene? Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, you, you know, we kind of talked a little bit earlier about like when you lose somebody, but you know right now like, you know, I feel like I'm in a generation where like, you know, my grandparents and some of the older people that have passed on, you know, like in the last 10 years, you know, cell phones weren't very prevalent, you know, so like mm-hmm. there's pictures and stuff like that and there's some videos, but there's not much. Yeah. And you look at our generation, like there is like tons of videos, tons of pictures, more than you probably can count, more than you could watch and see in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there, there's kind of that simulation-esque aspect to that. But you think the next evolution of all that stuff, like what if you could have, an, you know, a simulation of you talking with someone you lost, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's always kind of the thing like in your mind, like the matrixy type thing, like, well, if it's real enough, is it real? You know, so could you build a simulation where you could go and talk to somebody that passed on and, and have conversations with them? Would that be real enough? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like Dr. Uh, Mantle Ray's, um, you know, Fantasy Island app. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, the, the, the graphics are better. Um, but, you know, you just, you just wonder <laughs> if, you know, you know, she let go and she moved on. I think she kind of realized, like, well, this really isn't my sister, but this is more for me to let go. And so that I can move on. And, you know, you think those types of technology pieces may be nice, but they'd probably hurt more than they'd help. Yeah. Agreed. So good. There, what what you were saying there kind of reminds me of um, the episode of Black Mirror, and I'll try not to get too spoilery for those that haven't seen it. But why haven't you seen it? Go watch all all the seasons of Black Mirror. San Junipero. Uh, mm that episode uh, kind of reminds me of, of what you just said when you're talking about like being able to maybe in the, you know, some other type of world when technology advances to have, be able to recreate that person and, you know, have them in your life, kind of like a holodeck, kind of like Star Trek, you know, yeah. and, and having the holodeck and um, being able to have, you know, simulation of that person and still being able to like visit a, a version of that person and, not really having to, you know, to let go and hang on to them. So that'd be cool. 
There's some people I'd still like to see. Yeah. So that's my number two. I I don't want to dwell on it too much because I'm legit probably going to cry about it. I I just watched it before um, we started recording uh, for the fourth time. And um, so I was still kind of snot nosing just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't want to dwell on it. I'm going to start crying again. So it's my number two. What you got? Uh, So my number two, I just kind of titled Standing Up for What's Right. So we know Owen, this whole conflict he had, his family was kind of using his... uh, mental breakdown and his psychiatric kind of issues to to save Jed. Oh god. And this yeah. whole time we're trying to figure out like, okay, well, what Jed do? You know, there's allusions to a woman. You kind of like, well, did he sexually assault her or what did he do? I, we still don't know. I kind of well, feel like she peed on him. I think there was like two different women and two different kind of things that happened. It looked like he like uh, manhandled one of them, like groped her inappropriately. Mm. And then, yes, the other one, he told her to pee on him. He wanted a golden shower from that girl. <laughs> Which, and yeah, video and everything. <laughs> and that that's, uh, you know, we see Owen kind of like starting to like just repeat what he was told. They show that tape. And to me, first off, like I feel like that would have been like put into evidence. Yeah. And so I don't know if that's the hubris of that family where like, yeah, that tape's blurry enough that you can't tell it's Jed, so we'll have Owen lie. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty obviously that was Jed. It was so obvious that that was Jed, yeah. And oh, and I love that Owen stands up. He basically says, you know, like he's a monster, he's guilty, I'm mm-hmm. lying. You know, and basically throwing his brother, uh, I say under the bus, but it really, that's where he deserves to be. Is it's exactly where he needs to be. His brother was a freaking jerk and his yeah. family for, you know, kind of getting behind him and, and allowing that to happen and acting like it was okay. And, you know, acting like Owen, you know, should be standing up for his brother. And this whole, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, in the series and the different scenarios that Owen goes through about the, you know, the, the, kind of things that the theme that keeps coming up is, you know, the uh, blood is thicker than water, oh, you know, yeah. oh, and yeah, it's yeah, like good point. that, you know, you should be sticking up for your family no matter what. And it's like, no, not yeah. in something like that. You don't, it's but just not then, right. They, they weren't sticking up with him because Jed made a threat and we know Jed probably ended up in jail like very soon after this whole trial happened. Yes. And the threats he made, I don't think Jed would have been the one to, to see through them. It would have had to been a family member who sent the, you know, the poison to the politician and mm-hmm. started spreading all these things that they were saying Owen was doing to get him admitted to the psychiatric hospital. And again, you see, like you said, blood thicker is thicker than water, but who saved him from that psychiatric hospital? It wasn't blood. It was, it was a true friend that was there for him and came and exactly. rescued him because... His- his family put him there. Yeah, exactly. His family had him committed um, because of that whole incident there. And it's just, God, his family's freaking rotten. Yeah, and I mean, it's pretty simple. Like what Annie said when she came to visit him, he, you know, he asked her, he's like, well, why are you here? And she says, well, because I'm your friend, you know, and that's what friends do. You know, and that's what you should be saying as a family family member. Like a, fa- like a family member should be your friend, essentially. Yes. That they would come to rescue the, you in those situations, but it was a friend that he probably hasn't even known for more than a, a couple of weeks. Yeah, they didn't know it. Well, I don't even know that they knew each other that long. Um, they were only in the trial three days, and they yeah. met each other just right before that trial started when they're in the waiting room. I mean, I um, guess those events were, they felt like lifetimes because she could remember, like, you know, meeting him in high school and all that kind of stuff. But Right. Well, and probably because of, like, they probably felt like they got to know each other because they kept 
even though they weren't supposed to, they kept sharing their memories together, like with yeah. the the furs by Sebastian, where they're they're married couple and stuff. They kind of kept coming together and sharing those. And I know that they weren't really supposed to be doing that, so they probably felt like they had more of a deeper connection there. Um, but yeah, I mean, his family had him freaking committed, and and you know thinking that he was doing those things that he didn't because he tells he tells Annie uh he says I'm crazy and she says you're not fucking crazy Owen and she says come on you're just kind of crazy and he says mm. I made some threats to powerful people I sent anthrax to the governor and she says your brother did that and he says I had a blip in college I should be here I'm sick and she says okay maybe you're diagnosed maybe you need to be medicated but this uh this does not work for me Owen and she says I don't mm-hmm. think it works for you either and she says, so you saw some things that weren't there. So what? People see aliens. People hear ghosts. People see ghosts. Or people hear voices. People see ghosts. And then he says, that's different. My mind, it doesn't work right. It was just so heartbreaking to see him, mm. how how broken that he was when she was, you know, finally got him into the bathroom and got him to to put those clothes on and stuff. But it, yeah, his brother, his own family was doing that to him. Made it seem like, yes, maybe he does have some mental illness, but like he did not do all of the things that he thought that he was responsible for. His family had him convinced that he was doing that and, and made him believe that he was doing that and that he couldn't remember doing it because it, you know, he doesn't know what's real. He was struggling all the time with knowing what was real. Well, I mean, at that point, if you, if you have those issues, I mean, if, if you know, you don't remember things that happened, people can do say you've done anything. It's like, it's like if you go out and you go get blackout drunk and it's like, well, I don't remember what happened last night. It's like, oh my God, Sean, you're on top of the roof, like with your naked self jumping around <laughs> like a crazy person. I was like, well, oh, well, I could see that. So <laughs> it probably happened. Hmm. Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Yeah. It, terrible that whole courtroom scene where it's like he's starting to go along with it and he's playing along and then you know just kind of finally breaks through to the and tells the truth i loved that so much because we saw him you know struggling with that throughout the whole series so it was good to see him do what was right i loved it yep so that was my number two is just doing the right thing do the right thing I like it. Good number two. We should always remember to strive to do the right thing. Yeah. Even when it's hard. Because it usually is. Mm-hmm. So my number one, like I said, I kind of jumped into the ending earlier. Um, I wanted to just save my number one as a general wrap up for the series as a whole since we're here at the finale oh, oh. and the end of the the series itself. Um so I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit and and what I got out of it and what I liked about the the series one thing that i did appreciate about the series is that this show didn't try to tell you that there was like a miracle cure Annie and Owen went through this trial that was supposed to by a series of taking these drugs and going and experiencing you know what happened while you were under these drugs they tried to claim that it was going to cure you you'd have no more issues it was going to fix you um and then we, of course, know that the traditional methods of therapy, like with now, I I wouldn't say that you know Dr. Mandelray's mother is like the traditional therapist you'd see, but she's one end of the spectrum where she believed it was traditional therapy that you should do. That this is the process that that you need if you need help. You should be going through these traditional therapy methods. You should be medicated if necessary. Um, but I like that. It didn't try to show that there is a miracle drug that will cure you and rid you of your problems. 
And even if you do have some type of um, illness or some type of something that you're struggling with and, and you decide to go to therapy and maybe get some medication to help yourself, that even when you do that, it doesn't remove your issues. Neither one of these options truly cure you and fix you. You still have to put your back into it and do the work, mm-hmm. right? You still have to, if you if you decide to get yourself some medication and go to a therapist and get some help, to try to help. You still have to do the work. You still have to kind of put yourself out there. You still have to do the work. You have to do steps and you have to try to work towards that. And then there is, of course, you know, miracle, you know, oh, just take this pill and you're automatically going to just feel better and you don't have to do anything to get yourself there. And I like that even though Annie and Owen weren't cured by going through the trial while they were exploring, you know, all of these hidden truths, it at least helped propel them on the path to wellness. Mm-hmm. You know, Annie still had her issues, but she kind of was able to confront her issues, deal with them. Owen confronted his family, dealt with that. And they're not fixed. They're not magically cured, but it got them on the right path that they can now get towards that healing path. And I like that. Um, he was able to overcome his helplessness. Annie was able to stop living in her fear of letting go of her sister. And, so I loved all of that, that it didn't try to just, you know, say, oh, here it is. And here's here's the magic thing, because there wasn't a magic thing and there isn't a magic thing for it. And then, of course, I already mentioned it, that this this episode in the series, I loved how it could take you so many places. It could take you to these really deep feelings of, uh, you know, family and blood and friendship some super hilarious scenes where I laughed my ass off in so many mm-hmm. scenes, not just with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill, but Justin Thoreau was so hilarious in in playing Dr. Mandelray that I loved all of it. And it was so, so good, this whole series. So I, I know we talked about it a little bit before about how we hope it gets, you know, more recognition, more more people talking about it. I think there was a little bit of buzz around it, and then I don't know if, if, if what happened to it after that. But um, I really hope that more people kind of circle back to it when they see it on their Netflix menu, you know, of, of, of options of shows because it's, it's great. And so that's just my number one is just a general wrap up and appreciation and love of the series and, and what it brought to me. Good number one. Yeah. My wife watched episodes nine and 10 with me just because yeah. I had it on when she got home uh-huh, what'd and she, think? she was, oh, she was super confused. Like when uh, Jonah Hill comes up when Emma Stone's super small, she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then the whole thing with the mom and the the doctor she was confused by. Um, <laughs> Even if you wife, watched the whole series, you're yeah, still confused. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but, but good number one. Yeah, I agree. I loved, loved this show. And I, I definitely, I'm not really good about going back and re-watching shows I've already seen, but this is one mm-hmm. I'd like to queue up at some point, like, you know, if you have a long weekend or, you know, if you're able to download them all to your, you know, laptop when you're going away on your, you know, hideaway yeah. away from society trip, you know, one of those just to ping up and watch, you know, straight through for an evening would be would be really nice. I agree. Give it a little bit of a break. I think since it's really fresh with us still, um, give it a little bit of a break. But definitely mm. I can see coming back to it again and just watching it for fun and seeing what you get out of it that second time around. Sweet. So we covered my number one. Uh, so a couple of notes I had um, in these two episodes, again, you talked about a lot of the funny stuff that you saw or that mm-hmm. we, they had in here. Um, so when they're going through the pretrial, uh, everybody leaves the room except Jed and Owen. And Jed starts going off on this weird metaphor. And I love Owen's kind of deadpan. Like, well, he says something along the lines of like, well, that's that's a confusing metaphor. <laughs> Made me giggle. Um, the other thing that I, I got a really good laugh out of was – uh, when uh, 
Dr. Manil Ray was talking to Dr. Fujita, and he's talking about like taking her way on this fantasy. He talks about like, you know, they're out at sea and, you know, she's his first mate. And they're on the way to the lost city of Atlantis. And, like right there, I'm like, stop. That's your porno, dude. Like, you got to be careful with that. She's seen that. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of like the old joke. It's like, you know, when you're with your wife and like you're trying to move and she's like, you, you're, you saw that in a porn, didn't you? Like you didn't come up with that on your own. Sorry, babe. Can't give I'm you guilty. that much credit. <laughs> you saw that somewhere. <laughs> um, I loved, uh, as each person's leaving and getting their check, uh, the lady says, don't, you know, don't forget your NDA. Yes. Don't Made me NDA. giggle a little bit. Um, and then they probably should have talked about this one with the mother confrontation, but as, uh, Dr. Greta Manel Ray is talking with Dr. Manel Ray, uh, she talks about, um, like making sure her son can't work in this profession anymore. And then they have this weird, like, you know, do you want to do lunch? And she's like, well, I can't because I'm going to be on a tour in 47 cities and seven continents. Yes. <laughs> uh, so much for I, that relationship building. I know, with right? And, and the last thing, so Jed uh, in the, the fantasy world had some good lines, but as they get to the end of the, um, I guess, Snorri mission, they come up and there's a Rubik's Cube. And Jed says, oh, shit, you'll have to do it. I can't do a fucking Rubik's Cube. <laughs> like That kind of made me chuckle a little bit. Damn Rubik's Cube. I know, right? But what would you have for some notes? I love that. Well, I love the scene with Snorri. He says, I just have a small speech. And he pulls out a tiny little piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lost my shit because <laughs> it reminds me of like I said scene. like these like if you love like if you giggled at these episodes these are language of romance episodes is what they are <laughs> I mean, it reminded me of the episode when they were at that mansion like this 1940s maybe it was the 20s I don't remember but it reminded me of the 40s and they were at that mansion at the seance and they were looking uh-huh. for that missing chapter and it was this tiny yeah. little <laughs> chapter and Jonah Hill just says People were smaller back then. <laughs> Why is it so small? Well, people were smaller back then. And then I just have a small speech, and then he pulls out this really <laughs> tiny piece of paper. I'm sorry. I just lost it. I can't fucking help it. I was dying. Um, th- when they're going uh, through the elevator, Snorri and Annie are going through the elevator, and they're getting off on those different floors, and the doors are opening, did you notice the that weird lady floating in a room of blood? She yeah. was the one that was like she was like super quiet and she uh-huh. just seemed super innocent. Like she kept to herself. She seemed really innocent and calm and chill. And all of a sudden she's floating in a room of blood. Not quite, D- but she appears. During, during one of the conversations where they're re-interviewing, she said something about a room of blood. Yeah, she that was I was like, okay, that's not where I expected her to be. And then the 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 one guy who was like sneaking condoms in the trial, he's in a room full of animals, like yeah. and you're my best friend and you're my best friend, <laughs> and I'm like, that's not what I would have expected for him to be in at all. So I thought that was hilarious. Um had to God. mention those. Like um, that's creepy to think about like what would your room be? Like you probably don't even want to know what your room would be. I don't want to know what my room would be, much less tell people what I think my room would be. So we're just going to leave that uh, uh, on the floor there. We're not 
going to talk about that. <laughs> um, we mentioned the hallway scene a couple of times. I just want to remind people, Carrie Fukunaga, who directed these episodes and helped write them, uh, co-wrote them with, um, oh darn, I'm not, Sean was, was his name, I, I think. I don't remember. I, I'm not doing him a service at all. Um, but he kind of helped write, but he mainly directed the, all of the episodes, Carrie Fukunaga. He's fantastic. And he was a producer as well, worked really closely with Emma Stone and Joni Hill on, on the series. Um, he's up to direct. He was announced just before we started Maniac and just before um, it was released on Netflix, he was announced and I think I had it in the news. He is going to be directing the new James Bond. Oh, nice. That is yet to be named. It hasn't been named and they haven't, it hasn't went anywhere yet, but he was named as the next director for the film. So if anybody has any doubts, if you're a James Bond fan and you saw that some guy named Kerry Fukunaga is, you know, set to direct the next one and you have any doubts, watching that hallway scene should give you a little bit of faith um, in his capability because I thought that hallway scene was great fun, great action. And if you can get Emma Stone to kick that much ass, I mean, she's not really known yes. as like a badass in her, or at least like a physical badass. She's she's a badass, uh, strong female character in a lot of the things that she does and a uh, strong female in general. But as far as like that physicality, badassery of like being, you know, going on ninja on those guys, if he can direct her to that, imagine what he can do with James Bond. So if you have any doubts, that should help restore your faith a little bit if you were concerned. And maybe not. Maybe y'all are sitting here going, we don't give a fuck about James Bond. We're not a fan like you are. But um, I am. I love me some James Bond. God, I love James. I love Sean Connery. I love Roger Moore. I loved them all. Pierce Brosnan. I love, um, I love them all. I, I'm just, I love James Bond as a whole, as a character. So yeah, I, I kind of wondered the same thing because I forgot for about a minute who Carrie Fukunaga was when they announced that. And then I saw the series and it, I'm like, oh, we're okay. We're going to be all right. Um, I like, I thought it was such a, just um, a real revealing and true. And I thought it touched me emotionally very deeply when Annie said to her friend, Proxy Owen, that she had in that last uh, episode when he's trying to, he's trying to play Owen, this friend proxy that she has. And she looks at him. She's like, you're doing him wrong. It needs to feel oh, like yeah. pain. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. She says it needs to feel like pain, but not an awful kind of pain. <laughs> it's like this low level sadness that has a lot of caring and sweetness underneath it. I thought that was just like, it was sad. And I think sweet all at the same time. And I love that. So I thought that was a line worth mentioning because I really liked it. Um, and then at the end, we talked about it a little bit with Owen and his sadness being in that kind of just giving in to his his illness and kind of giving up. He says um, he'll have another blip. They'll stop talking and it will break his heart. And he tells her it's just easier if you're not real. Yeah. Ugh! hit me in the feels. Uh, I mean, isn't time. that kind of like all relationships like. Uh, you always fear that like the worst is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. I'm the worst at that. I will go from way up here to way down here in the blink of an eye. And without even having like talked to the person. <laughs> I'm, I've already got all the scenarios played out in my head and they're all, they're all <laughs> horrible. <laughs> yeah. So that's all my notes. Good notes. Oh my gosh. Good show. Good show. Good show. We have a couple of items in the news. So this is an interview with Emma Stone from USA Today. So it starts off, Emma Stone hates fantasy. 
we kind of covered that a little bit. This is what she has to say. She says, it's not real. Um, she she kind of throws her hands up. She says, Oof. Carrie Fukunaga uh, was with her as well during this interview. And she says, I know people love it, but it's very hard for me to understand how other actors don't feel like, what am I talking about? What are these things? I like hyper-realism, but not necessarily the middle earth of it all. Um, one question was reading the scripts, uh, for the first time, what resonated with you most about this character and story? She says, I love so much about Annie. I love the way she lashed out against her struggling and that her pain is so definitive for her, but she also had so much going on internally. I could understand and relate to that feeling of wanting to numb out those big feelings. Then to go into those different worlds and have the masochism to continue having that experience over and over again, only to realize there are other worlds she can go into that aren't just that same painful experience. It was a lot of great stuff. Another question, you've been open about your own struggles with anxiety. Anxiety. Did that in any way inform your approach to the material? She says, I think so. We talked about mental health and neurosis more than I ever really have at work before. It was something we all cared very much about, being sensitive and compassionate and telling a story that is about radical self-acceptance and connection. Nobody is completely normal. I don't think anybody really understands what normal is. Everybody goes through stuff, and sometimes it's more intense than other experiences. My version of worrying might be a lot more heightened than other people's, but it doesn't make me crazy, even though sometimes I feel kind of crazy. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to cut that off there. Um, there's a couple of interesting things that I will go through very quickly because it's kind of long, so I'm going to kind of skip through a couple that I that are interesting. This is from Huffington Post. This was some uh, just interesting things that we got some answers. So if, if there are some answers or questions that you have about the show, uh, these are going to be your answers. And I thought these were interesting uh, to point out. So it starts off, okay, first off, is it multi-reality brain magic shit or were Jonah Hill and Emma Stone just dreaming? The answer, dreaming. Uh, throughout the course of their pharmaceutical drug trial, the extremely risky experiment, both subjects volunteer, volunt voluntarily agreed to participate in, Owen and Annie are strategically dosed with three pills, hooked up to a machine that sends microwaves directly into their brains and launched into ever-escalating shared visions of what appear to be alternate realities featuring slightly or drastically different versions of themselves, but they're just dreams. As Fukunaga explained, my way into this is that dreams are a way of tapping into your unconscious mind and that therein lies a lot of the structure for our choices in life and motivations and also traumas. So using dream logic to get to an exploration of the unconscious mind seemed appropriate. Okay, so speaking of Grimson, uh, is he real? No. Upon meeting Grimson, it might be tempting to think he's real. Maybe he's not just a figment of Owen's imagination. Perhaps he's Jed's long-lost twin brother, and Owen is being made to believe his interactions with him are delusions in order to keep the unwanted Grimson away from Owen's well-to-do Milgram family and their poop bot empire those little robots we saw that were cleaning up the streets alas no it's sad says grimson actor billy magnuson owen comes from a family for lack of a better word of winners and he wasn't he had all this negative energy blocking him out and pushing him away and the fact that he had to manifest an identity so that he could connect with his family it's tragic that he had to create that for him to feel like that he's a part of something i do think it's a fake character and not real magnuson admitted it's sad that owen had to do that uh Another question, what was Annie's dad doing inside that weird machine? 
Early on in Maniac, Annie heads to her dad's house, ends up talking to a large machine in his backyard that talks back. Viewers are left wondering whether that machine is simply speaking on her father's behalf, holding his consciousness or containing his whole being. Is he actually inside the box? Yeah, in my mind, my dad was in that box, Emma Stone confirmed. That machine called the Avoid. Hey, we was right on that one. Um, it's just one of the many kooky inventions Fukunaga planned for the show. Um, he says, um, it's kind of one of the things that didn't make it into the cut was this therapy booth that was for coin operated therapy sessions. Can you imagine that? He says it's almost like a phone sex line, but it's therapy. Hmm. I love that. One last one, because this, uh, I thought was amazing. Cause I kind of relate to this as well is why does Owen hate Balderdash? It, he, the answer is it's all about lies. Perhaps the most confusing moment in the entire show or in my entire life incur- occurs when Owen proclaims Balderdash to be bullshit. <laughs> Balderdash is fun. Uh, so Owen's disdain for it is just perplexing. According to Fukunaga, there's a simple explanation. Owen hates Balderdash because it's all lies. It's all bullshit. It's everyone basically trying to lie to each other better than the other person. And he wants the truth. So I like that. I, I, I'm going to go like forever going around saying Balderdash is bullshit. <laughs> That's probably one of the quotes of the the year for this epi- for this uh, season. I love that. I'll never – Balderdash is bullshit is the quote I'm going to probably use forever. And people who haven't seen the show are just going to look at me weird, but that's okay. That's my life. And then also I'm just going to have to have that gif of snorry dancing in celebration. Um, <laughs> I need that in my life. I'll try to post that on our social media so everyone can see it if you haven't already. So with that, we have listener feedback from the supercomputer Goethe. Sean, why don't you take that first one? All right. So Tony Douglas. So I love the last episode. Annie and Owen's friendship is so pure to me. That conversation Annie has with a fake friend was hilarious. Her conversation with her father was great too. When Owen stood up for what is right and fair in court was awesome. His brother deserves everything he gets. Overall, enjoyed most of the series. Thanks for covering it. Well, you are welcome. It was a pleasure to cover. I got a kick out of it. Uh, next one's from Doug Fick. He says, I would like to start out by saying, again, what a great choice for a show to discuss. The quirkiness, the weirdness, and imagination of the show as a whole just got better as the episodes went on. I'd like to start out with a couple of cookies. In episode eight, when Owen was leaving their motel in the car after the massacre, you can see a billboard that asks, have you seen Annie Landsberg? Episode 10, when doctors uh, Fujita and Mantle Ray are in the parking garage, the license plate on the car reads 019A91. Owen and Annie's numbers in the trial. Oh, good catch. Nice catch. And as far as detail, the show had a throwback 80s, 90s feel to it. And the drill that was used by Gabriel Byrne was an 80s model Makita cordless. I know this because I owned one. Nice job, Doug. (laughs) Nice Um, pickup. Yeah. And I just have to say that Emma Stone brought her A game. She stole every scene she was in. The supporting cast was on it as well. I wish I could say the same for Mr. Hill. He had a few moments here and there, but not consistent. He seemed flat. I know his character is kind of that way, but even when he got to the simulated characters, he did not really deliver. The final episode, he showed much better range and enthusiasm. Perhaps he lost too much weight too fast, and he was listless and in need of some carbs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm reading this for the first time, so it's (laughs) genuine. 
much. I know I'm a cranky bitch when I, I'm really oh, yeah. low on carbs, so you might have a good point there, Doug. Those <clears> Snicker <throat> commercials are made for me. No shit. You're just not yourself when you're hungry. Oh, no. I'm a hangry person, and if I'm low on carbs, watch the fuck out. Anyway, yeah. that was a Road sidebar. Road trips with me and my wife, if we're both hangry, like it's a surprise that both of us are alive at this point in our relationship. I totally understand that. That's a true testimony to a relationship. That's for sure. That's a great uh, observation there, Doug. He goes on to say, with that said, I think that the message may that you can't change the past and perhaps should not want to, or at least not relive it over and over. The events, decisions, and those around you are what make you who you are. Yes, you are to learn and hopefully evolve from them, but to have them washed away and perhaps cure you of what? I also think the one message about mental health was profound at the end when Owen told Annie to leave because his mind was not right. She replied, no one's is. Mm, I love that. I love that. Good, good point. Um, He goes on, you have to face the past and cleanse that way and perhaps realize that it may not even be your fault. Your parents may have fucked you up. You can't help that. The final message that there is hope and you can always try and start a new journey on the road ahead. Anyway, I enjoy you too immensely. Where do we go next? I'm all ears. Oh, stay stay tuned. We might have an announcement at the end of this. We aren't doing the show anymore. Yeah, sorry. That's it. We've decided we can't can't (laughs) top this. So, yeah. Anyway, great feedback, Doug. I always um, enjoy and appreciate what you have to say. And I love everything um, that you just said there. Um, All right. So our next message comes from Jeff Allen. He says, very, very reminiscent of Eternal Sunshine, which I kind of agree with. I kind of get that. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Eternal Sunshine? I was just getting ready to admit, no, I haven't. Oh, it's, it's, I'm, I've kind of started petering out on Jim Carrey, like in my fandom of him. Yes. Um, but that's actually a <clears throat> really good movie. I think that's where I got kind of stuck too. I'm ashamed to admit because I hear so many people talk about it and how great that it was. And I'm sitting here like, oh God, that's one I've missed out on. I get so mad at people for not watching the same things I have, but here I am in the same boat. I was kind of the same way. I was kind of Jim Carrey out when that movie came out and I just kind of skipped over it. So I should watch it, huh? It's worth a watch. I'd okay, say. Okay, good. Uh, let's see. Absolutely loved it. Also, Snorri is my new hero now. Snorri is everyone's. Yeah. Okay, we got an email here. Starts off two random thoughts. First, I don't know if you caught the Annie Landsberg still missing billboard at the tail end of episode eight as Owen is leaving the crime scene. Apparently, everyone else saw this billboard and I totally missed it. So <laughs> thank you. This is why I love that when you guys write in because you help catch the things that we miss or overlook. And there was so much in this um, series that these little details and things sprinkled throughout. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, Anyway, she goes on to say, um, instead of posting a lost dog sign, she is now the one listed as missing. So that was for Annie. Also the middle-aged woman in the experiment played by um, Elise Beasley starred in moonlighting as Agnes DePesto. Um, I'm also, she says, um, in this email, I'm probably showing my age by knowing this. Well, guess what? I'm showing my age by agreeing with you. I watched <laughs> and loved Moonlighting so much, so I know exactly who she was. I remember her from that series. Um, great show. Uh, she goes on to say, the girl who was Annie's original ad buddy could totally be her daughter. It's not. I Googled it. Uh, finally, the end. If they never make a season two, I would totally be okay with that. The series has given me enough to want to go, want to go back and rewatch if I want to. Annie and Owen driving off into the sunset was beautifully done. Thank you both for your insight and exploring this show. It was a great ride, Carrie. Thanks, thanks, Carrie. Carrie. That's lovely to say. Yeah, God, we're getting some love here, Sean. I know, right? I don't know how to take it. 
I mean, I love it. Keep it coming. But really, it's it's so um, humbling. So we also have a couple of voicemails that we're going to play. We have one this week from Steve Brown and also our lovely on one from New Zealand. So let's do the one from Steve Brown first. <laughs> That's a confusing metaphor. Anyway, um, episode 9 and 10, um, gosh, I don't know what to say about this, um, the wrap-up of this this mini-series, Maniac. Um, I loved it when Owen said uh, he was going to make a small statement and he pulled that, that little piece of paper, like, um, echoing back to the other episode we talked about when people were small. Um, episode 9 was very confusing to me. Both times that I watched it, uh, but there was some badass fighting, and uh, Sally mm-hmm. Fa- uh, Sally Field is so good. Um, th- uh, and I, I love the line, uh, um, <laughs> took that man two whole days to blow this motherfucker up. <laughs> but that was great. Um, other stuff, you know, Owen got to save the world. We saw that in the very first episode, no chosen one thing where he talked about uh, he was going to be the one to save the world. So he got to save the world by saving the lab. I thought that was that was really, really cool. Um, turns out that Frank is the is the lawyer. Um, Gabriel Byrne was a- amazing. I uh, loved him in, in everything he did here from just the ludicrous over the top drilling through someone's head to that very you know straightforward line about we're going to rip it out of her heart I, I thought was great um you know they they wrapped this up uh, this was just the, the story was the story literally there was nothing underlying there was no other subterfuge it was it was just a straightforward boy meets girl, boy and girl are crazy lunatics, and now they're going off on a road trip together. But could be maybe they're still stuck in the simulation because the truck that Owen mm. and Annie drive off in is the same truck that she was picked up by the Queen in, and the mm. car that. James and Izumi drove off in is the same one that Owen had. So, uh, I don't know. Loved it. Can't wait to see what you guys uh, choose next. Enjoy Atlanta, Rima. Uh, Have a lot of fun and say hi to everybody for me. Talk to you later. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm wondering if it's a, uh, if it's kind of still stuck in the matrix kind of thing. No, I refuse to believe that. (laughs) I can't, I can't. I have to believe that they found their way together and they were truly happy and laughing and giggling. And all of that was for real. I just, (laughs) that's how I have to believe that that happened. I, that's where I'm going with it. And and thanks, Steve. Atlanta has already happened. We were going to record before Atlanta, but we didn't get that opportunity. So Atlanta has already happened, and I've been there. But we were thinking of you, buddy, and you were missed. We will catch you at the next one for sure. So our last phone call comes from Anwen. Hi, Rima and Sean. It's Anwen here. 
Thank you so much for suggesting this show Maniac to us all and for covering it for us. It's been amazing. I finally caught up, so I thought I would share a couple of my favourite bits from the last two episodes. Um, I had a few little spots of um, laughter and hilarity throughout. There were some really funny moments. I loved it when Owen started naming the countries and saying, sorry, France, sorry, Italy, and so on. (laughs) Um, I thought it was really interesting how James um, wiped the lipstick off his face when his mom hadn't even kissed him. Uh, I loved the line, um, thanks, friend proxy Owen. It's very cute. Um, The spite kiss from Dr. Izumi. When she kissed James, uh, just to just to spite Greta, it was a little bit like Leia and Luke from um, The Empire Strikes Back, which I thought was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Oh, good call. Yeah. And the line from James, I've been blinded by my mother's toxic <laughs> love. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, the theme that I really got from the last couple of episodes was uh, the theme of masks falling away. And there were some really literal ones like Owen's wig coming off. Um, but all the character stuff, really deep character stuff like... Um, the younger Dr. Mantle, Ray James, unleashing on his mom and finally um, letting her know what he thinks and how he feels after all this time. And he's, it's so tragic and so comical at the same time. The acting's amazing. Um, Annie's need to cling to the past and her defensiveness just falls away. And I love how Emma Stone just portrayed her looking so vulnerable. Um, and also Owen finally not having to pretend to be loyal to his horrible family. Um, I just loved how everything was just revealed and peeled away in that final episode. It was really cool. I was worried that the ending was going to be a bit of a spinning top moment like Inception. I was scared he was going to go into the bathroom and she wouldn't be there. But I just loved how she turns up at the hospital as that Linda character and was really confident. And she tells him to go into the bathroom and that moment where he goes in and she's there and she's got a plan. Oh, it was such a relief. It was fantastic. And you realise, yep, everything was real and it was amazing. Uh, another little point, I really liked how uh, the the mom, um, Greta, is going away on a book tour and she's sort of showing off to James that she's adored by all these, you know, thousands of fans. And it's almost like she's saying to him, if you if you won't love me and look up to me, there are thousands of others who will. Mm. Sort of oh, good call. Mm-hmm. I just loved the overall mental health viewpoint of the show. Um, being accepted for yourself and being a friend no matter what. It was it was so lovely and so well done in the end. I thought the whole show was incredible. It was beautifully shot. The acting was amazing and it was a great ending. Really loved it. Thanks so much for covering it. I've enjoyed listening to you guys as well. Can't wait to see what happens next. Thanks. Bye. Oh, my God. Anwin, please call me every day. Yes. Just, great, I don't great care. calls. Read me your oh. dinner plans or something. I don't even care. <laughs> I could just listen to you all day. God, these lovely things that people are saying, and I love how everyone was digging it. I, I love yeah. that they, you know, that we have some really loyal folks that are like, you know what? If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have watched this show, you know, for, if you and Sean hadn't been covering it. And and thank you for doing that because, you know, they enjoyed it so much. And I, it just warms my heart and it really, truly brings tears to my eyes. I heard some folks tell me that in Atlanta this weekend about, you know, things that we cover. And it's just, it's so humbling. And I hope that everyone knows truly how much um, that means to, well, and I'm going to speak for you too, Sean, how many much it means to both of us. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's awesome that you know we get all these you know, people commenting on the the show and commenting on the shows that we're watching and the phone calls and um, it really touched my heart uh, while you guys were in Atlanta and you know everybody wanting to <sighs> FaceTime yes. with little old me. 
Um, oh. you know, it made me feel really, really special. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for, for, you know, in the moment while you guys are out having a great time to, even if, you know, just for a moment you thought like, Hey, I wonder what Sean's doing. You know, it means, it means the world to me. It really does. You were missed and everyone had so much love for you. And we were, at, it was at the meetup at the bar. So we're all congregated. It was after the con was over. Um, we'd all kind of settled and just were able to cut loose for the day. And so we're all, you know, talking about the podcasts and different things and everybody's how's Sean and what's he doing why isn't he here and I'm like well you know he just couldn't it just wasn't the right time and everything and I was like but you know what let's get him on the damn phone and so that's of course I texted you to see if you were busy because I thought oh it's the weekend you know you could be doing anything it's family time um so I'm so glad that you had a moment I know our connection was horrible every time we tried to do like Jason was trying to um get Karen on as well and he was he was losing his signal I was losing my signal it was just was not a great environment we just kept losing it so but thank you you sent a nice video um in place to everyone okay it did come through I I sent it not to just everyone there but every like to the whole group to make sure that everyone got it. We have like our own group chat that we were in that I sent it to everyone. And I'm like, Hey everyone, in case you missed it, Sean sends his love. So you were missed. Um, and yeah, um, we're going to do it again sometime and we're going to make sure that you're there. Yeah, offline we need to talk about all the the arrangements because I think Tiffany and I need to be there next year. So I agree. Let's start planning now. Well, again, thank you, everybody. And so the big announcement then, so for next week's episode, we were just kidding. We're not going to stop this show. But next <laughs> week, we're going to be covering the new Netflix show. I think it's been out for a couple of weeks, but it's The Haunting of Hill House. Woo-woo. So the very first episode is titled Stephen Sees a Ghost. And the description of this episode is while investigating a ghost story for his latest novel, a skeptical Stephen receives a call from his sister that triggers a chain of fateful events. Bah, bah, bah. Oh my gosh. If if you guys are already watching this, it is so good. And I mean, what a great treat it was for Halloween because it came out just before Halloween. And nice. but I mean, it's always a good time for a scary show. Oh yeah. I saw previews for it and like I really it reminds me a little bit of like Hell House, uh-huh. which is a, a Richard Matheson book, which I'm a huge, huge fan of. So I'm hoping it kind of follows that path. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited for it. Like I love a good scary movie and scary TV shows. I, I can't wait. I've already, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be fantastic and it's getting a lot of buzz and I'm hearing some very interesting things about it. And I so not just want to talk to you about it. I really am interested to hear what our listeners um, think about it as well. So great. I'm, I'm super excited. Thank, thank you, Sean, for making that announcement and letting people know. We'll also post that on our social media in case you're not listening to us. Why aren't you listening to us? Why aren't you watching Maniac? Yeah, um, I know, right? Well, we're really excited for you to join us in the trial with um, us. And until they pass out those drugs, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Walking Deadcast at podcastica.com. Uh, I think there's a big episode coming out this Sunday for The Walking Dead. There's some big stuff happening, so I think that... Some stuff and things are happening. Stuff and things, and I think you're going to need the dead cast to help you through it. So go out and give them a listen, folks, if you're not already. 
um, and make sure because we're talking about podcasts and so many great podcasts, you have to make sure you check out another great podcast. And that's Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday like clockwork, man. Yeah. So this past Sunday, we had our Broloween. We had on paranormal expert Jason. Uh, not our Jason from Walking Dead, but Jason from the Ectoplasm podcast. It was really, really good and scary. I know nice. we're past Halloween, but like I said, it's always good for a spooky story, so check that out. I'm always and down for the, spooky stories. Oh, yeah. If you're in the Chicago area, November 27th, we'll be doing a live podcast at The Beat Kitchen, so check that out if you get a chance. Nice. I cannot wait. I God, I wish I could be there. I love Chicago. Wow. I would so get a kick out of seeing you guys live. I cannot. I'm I mean, excited. That's got to be such an amazing experience, or it will be when you have it, that, um, you know, you guys do the podcast, but then to, like, do a live one. Yep, it'll be the second time we've done a live one, so hopefully it turns out pretty well. My bad, but still, I mean, amazing, and in front of people. um, Have a drink. Take a shot before, I think. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to need it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's our show, episode 61, Utangata, and option C. (laughs) Utangata. I'm going to say it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Anwen Carver is strange indeed.